You're listening to The Sigrun Show, episode number 178. In this episode, I'm speaking about GDPR and all the fake news floating around the internet and the risk assessment you need to make. Welcome to The Sigrun Show. I'm your host, Sigrun, creator of Samba, the MBA program for online entrepreneurs. With each episode, I'll share with you inspiring case studies and interviews to help you achieve your dreams and turn your passion into profits. Thank you for spending time with me today. Building an online business takes time. I share with you proven strategies to help you get there faster. You'll also learn how to master your mindset, uplevel your marketing and succeed with masterminds. Today's episode is the third episode on DTPR Previous two episodes have been interviews with two lawyers that I trust, Martin Steiger from Switzerland and Susan Dippel from the UK. In this episode, it's time I tell you my view as an online entrepreneur and someone who has successfully run businesses for more than 14 years. It's time to crack the fake news and get real on the risk assessment. To grab the show notes of this episode, go to sig.com forward slash 178. There are a lot of fake news out there, and the latest one is all about GDPR, General Data Protection Regulation. Some say you cannot do any online marketing anymore, others say you need checkboxes and double opt-ins, and yet more say you cannot exchange a freebie against an email address. So essentially, you cannot do any list building. This would basically mean that online businesses are out of business. I say this is all nonsense. And I want to walk you through what GDPR actually is and how you can do your own risk assessment. Before we go any further, I must mention that I am not a lawyer. But even if I was, you can never look at a podcast episode or a blog post or anything of that sort as a legal advice. And as a business owner, you are the one that is taking a decision to do something or not to do something and ultimately you are responsible. My view comes from being in business for over 14 years. For the last four years as an online entrepreneur and before that as a CEO for a decade. When you run a business, you need to know the law that you're operating from. And this means that every single day you are taking a decision based on that law. And in the few cases where you're not sure, you seek legal advice. But in 99% of the time, you are taking a decision and you are responsible for that decision. So already, as an entrepreneur, you are taking the risks for following or not following some law out there. You're just not aware of it. But suddenly, DDPR has brought to light that you are taking some risks and you need to make some choices. And sometimes these choices can either hurt your business or it can make your business better. But ultimately, you need to make choices that you think are best for your business. And the interesting piece is here that as human beings, some of us are very risk adverse. Some people are really worried about what can happen. Can I get a fine if I don't follow the law by the book? Yes, it is possible. But how 
likely is it? I would say 0.001%. But that's my view because I am not a risk-adverse person. I wouldn't say I'm a person that uh, likes bungee jumping or uh, will hop out of an airplane, although I want tried to do it once, but <laughs> they canceled the flight because it was too windy. But what I'm saying, this law will bring to light who you are as a person. Do you like to work with the gray zones or do you want to have things absolutely clear? And the problem is, even if you try to have things absolutely clear and you seek legal advice and then you get a second opinion and a third opinion and then you implement something, there might still be someone out there that says you did it wrong. There are no guarantees in life, especially in the case of DTPR, you need to become aware of your propensity towards risk. You need to assess what can you tolerate. With that being said, what is DDPR really about? DDPR is an EU regulation aimed at protecting personal data of European citizens and travelers in the European Union. Originally, the law was set to protect us against big companies harvesting too much data and potentially misusing that data in a way that we may not have foresee or know about. And the latest Facebook scandal has brought this so clearly to light how needed such a regulation is. Now, I wasn't happy when I heard about the regulation. That was also long before the Facebook scandal. And I was quite upset. And I know you must have been too. But in the light of that scandal... And as I have informed myself and dived deep into the subject, I am now embracing it. I am embracing it as an opportunity to clean my list. I'm embracing it as an opportunity to show my subscribers and clients that I treat their data with respect. And I see it as an opportunity for other companies to take better care of my personal data. So what is personal data? Obviously, it's name and email address, but also social security number, birthday, telephone number, photograph, bank details, everything you can think about that identifies an individual, but even IP address, which is under DTPR considered personal data. So how do you comply with DTPR? I have put together a simplified checklist for online entrepreneurs on how you can comply with DDPR and at the same time do your risk assessment. So the first thing I suggest you do is to make an audit. Make a list of all the places online and offline where you store personal data. And this is not just about subscribers and clients, which the focus tends to be a lot when you talk about DDPR and online business. No, this is also about anyone you work with contractors, employees. It's about taking care of their personal data as well. So you might be in for a surprise on all the places that you store personal data. And this is an opportunity to clean things up. We store personal data in a lot of different places when we run an online business. And there are reasons for that. Every tool has 
their own strengths. And it's impossible to find one tool that can do everything. You typically have an email list software and you have an accounting software and you have a project management tool and then you have a messenger app and a help desk software and then you have a video hosting. You need all these different tools to run your online business and many of them will store personal data and for good reasons. But there is an opportunity to clean up. And think about if you really need that software tool or this database, or do you really need to write down something in your notebook that would reveal any kind of personal data, or can you keep it out of the notebook? So it's an opportunity to cancel some subscriptions, stop using some WordPress plugins that are unnecessary, doing things a little bit differently. So when you are writing down all the places where you store personal data, you're going to also write down what type of personal data you store in these different systems and how long you plan to keep the personal data. So for instance, when it comes to accounting software in Switzerland, where my business is registered, I am required by law to keep data and business communication for 10 years. But when it comes to my email list software, there's no reason to keep that data for 10 years. If someone hasn't engaged with my email for a long time, I delete them. And if somebody unsubscribes, I delete them as well. I only need to keep the data if they are a client because accounting law is above data privacy law. So as you're writing down all the places where you keep personal data, you need to write down what kind of data you store, try to store as little data as possible, only the data that you actually need. Write down how long you're going to keep it. Write down how the data is coming into the system. So do you have a freebie? Do you have a newsletter sign up? How are you actually obtaining the data? And what is the reason for obtaining the data? And in DTPR, there are six reasons, but for online business owners, there are really three reasons relevant. So it's consent. Somebody has signed up for a newsletter, so they have explicitly told you that they want this newsletter. Contract. Somebody is your client, so you need to fulfill that contract. So that's something that you need to store data for. And legitimate interest. Legitimate interest is like Let's say somebody has bought a particular product from me and typically these people always buy product number two. Now I have a legitimate interest to email this client of mine and tell them about product two. Legitimate interest is a part of the gray zone. There will be people that say, I have a legitimate interest for this and that. And there are others who say that you don't. So you need to just become aware of as you're making this audit, how you're obtaining the data and what is going to be your reason for obtaining the data moving forward. When you're writing down all the different places where you store data, all these software vendors and databases, you're going to realize that many of those are not in the European Union. And then you need to check if they're GDPR compliant. That's really easy to check. You just go into Google, type the name of the company plus GDPR and you're going to find information on whether they're already DTPR compliant or planning to be. And most companies are planning to be. I have heard of very rare cases of a company has no clue what DTPR is and is not going to comply. But as soon as you send an email 
to the company, which I think you should do if you're not finding them easily on Google, they actually, most of them will wake up and realize this is something they need to pay attention to. So it's highly unlikely that you need to switch or stop using a software because of this. But still, do your due diligence. Uh, you are the one in trouble if you're not using GDPR compliant software and databases. Then you need to make sure that you have a contract with those people who have access to personal data within your business. So let's say you're working for a wit with a virtual assistant. You need to send the virtual assistant a data privacy agreement where basically they are promising to be GDPR compliant as well. So this applies to not just software companies, but also to individuals that you work with. So we've already covered the first three steps, doing an audit, checking the compliance of vendors, getting everyone you work with to sign a data privacy contract. And step number four is updating your cookie and privacy policy to a GDPR standard. I highly recommend that you buy a template from a lawyer to do this. Do not copy somebody else's cookie and privacy policy. Do not try to write it up on your own. In the show notes, I will link to a GDPR pack that includes a privacy policy and a cookie policy that you can obtain. In the show notes, there's a link to a GDPR pack that includes cookie and privacy policy and is the same one that I use in my business. So that allows us to move to step number five, updating your processes for individual rights. GDPR mandates that you give the individuals where you hold personal data, give them some rights. So those rights are access to data, being able to change data, being able to delete data, being able to restrict processing, being able to move your data, being able to opt out, and having some rights in relation to automated decision-making and profiling. It's important to you mentioning all these things when you write up your privacy policy, but if you anyway get a privacy policy template from a respectable lawyer, this will be included already. So it's one thing to update your privacy policy and mentioning these rights, but it's actually looking at all your processes, going back to your original audit that you did in step number one, and reviewing if you can change anything in the way you do business to make it easier to comply with all these rights. Basically, these are rights that everyone will hold when GDPR goes into effect and you need to be able with the software tools uh, and anything you do online and offline to comply with those rights. Let's move on to step number six. You need to document every time you take a decision to use the reasons for processing personal data. So when you have a contract, that's easy enough. You know that you have a contract. When somebody gives you consent to process their data, that is also clear. But when you use legitimate interest, you need to be very carefully documenting why you think legitimate interest applies. The reason you document this is that you can always go back in the case of anyone having doubts about your reasoning. You can go back to your document and explain your thinking. Because a legitimate interest 
is interest between two parties. It's you as a business owner and it's the other person where you deal with their personal data. Now, it could be that this person does not agree with your thinking, but if you have documented why you think this applies, you stand better as a business owner in your legitimate interest to process their data and use it for that reason. We are on to step number seven, to prepare for data subject request. As a part of DTPR, anyone could email you and ask if you hold their personal data and if you do, what kind of data do you hold on them? This means instead of having a sleepless night when this happens, prepare for it now. You need to make a list and this is best for you to look up on Google what kind of data you need to prepare for or get the GDPR pack that I have linked to in the show notes so that you can have this all ready when it happens. It's not a question if, it's a question when. And instead of worrying about it when it happens, you want to be prepared. All of this, doing this podcast episode and informing yourself of the GDPR is about not being surprised when somebody asks you for information, to change their information, or is doubting why you are processing their personal data. You want to be in the know and be prepared. Next on the checklist is the question, do you need to renew consent? Now, if you have been building an email list for years, this is probably the topic that makes most online business owners upset. And you need to assess as a business owner, will you ask people to opt in again for your list or not? I'm not the one that's going to tell you the one thing is correct and the other one isn't. Ultimately, you need to decide. The question is, do you have a really clean list? Did everyone who is on your list opt in in a lawful way? Did they give their consent? Did they know what they were opting in for? Can you prove when they signed up, how they signed up? And can you look back and add screenshots or do you have the landing pages still of the way that they signed up? Assuming you have all of this, then the reason for asking them to opt in again is getting less and less. Now, many lawyers will say, do it, definitely do it. But many business owners say that doesn't make business sense. So they're willing to take the risk. And this comes back again to the risk assessment. If you feel that you're willing to work with a gray zone in order not to hurt your business, then that's a risk you take. So there will be businesses who do not ask everyone to opt in again. And what is the worst that can happen? Yes, they could be fined 4% of their worldwide revenue. And some businesses are willing to take that risk. If you feel that you're not willing to take that risk, and as I said again, I think it's highly unlikely that small business owners and online entrepreneurs will be fined. They're really after the big companies. But still, if you are a worrier, if you worry about a lot of things, risk-adverse person, then I do highly suggest that you ask everyone on your list to opt in again. 
And this has got nothing to do with a double opt-in. Double opt-in is not required by GDPR. It is required by some countries under a different law, but GDPR itself does not require double opt-in. On the other hand, it might be wise, if you're not doing it already, to start to use double opt-in because it's a bigger proof that somebody opted into your list versus that somebody else could have signed somebody up. We're on to point number nine, data protection officer versus representative. If you're based in the European Union, you're automatically your data protection officer, which means on your data privacy policy, uh, you put down your name as a contact person for somebody to contact in case they want to reach out to you and ask about their personal data. If you're not based in the European Union, but you have people from the European Union on your email list and potentially some clients from the European Union, you need a data protection representative based in the European Union. Now, this will surprise some small business owners, and this is an extra cost uh, that you need to take into account as you're making these changes. Now, there are services out there that are not very costly, and I am recommending one service in the show notes. So you can hop on over there and you would then get the same service as I am doing myself in my business of having a data protection representative in Germany. So moving on to point number 10, this is about risk assessment, but also constantly reviewing everything. The biggest question that we started off with is, is online marketing still possible? And that's a part of your review and risk assessment. So it's a continuous thing that you need to be doing. It's not about getting compliant before a certain date and then it's all done. No, it's about continuously thinking about data privacy and looking at how you can still build your business. So it's data privacy and your business and making sure you're respecting people's rights, but at the same time, how can you help them? How can your business thrive in a way that you help your clients and your business is not hurt? So coming back to the original question, how do you do online marketing? Can you still offer a freebie against an email address? Yes. There are many different ways to do this. You can sign up to a newsletter and then have a gift after people sign up for your newsletter. So you basically reverse it. Instead of the freebie coming first and adding people to your newsletter, you offer them to sign up for a newsletter and as a thank you gift, they get a freebie. You can also offer a freebie like a webinar and explain that by signing up for the webinar, they'll receive reminders and follow-up emails as the webinar as a standalone doesn't make any sense. And then it's up to you whether you have a checkbox that they sign up for the newsletter as well, or if you further explain that they will also be added to the newsletter. Now, some lawyers argue that this is a bundled offer and that is not allowed under DTPR, and others do not agree. You see, DTPR was originally written for the big companies, and typically a big company would share your email address with other subsidiaries, other companies that they run. And I bet this has happened to you and it's not a nice thing when you suddenly receive an email from a company and you don't remember signing up for the newsletter ever. And here, that is obviously not 
the case. Online marketing has always been like this. When we sign up for a freebie, we are automatically added to the newsletter. It was just never mentioned. The important thing is in GDPR, do transparency. You need to be upfront and transparent what you do with the data and always link to your privacy policy. So your privacy policy cannot be in the footer anymore. It needs to be next to the button where people sign up. You do not need a checkbox. The checkbox is for different things. So let's say I buy a car and I buy it online. Well, not very likely, but let's just use this example since I've started to use it. I buy a car online and then there is a checkbox whether I want to be on the newsletter as well. To me, that's two very different things. I'm buying the car. I've already made my choice. There is no reason for me to be on the newsletter uh, of uh, this company because I'm not going to buy a second car. On the other hand, because I'm a client buying the car, they are still allowed to email me about something related to my car, just not marketing emails or newsletters because I didn't want them. And that's bundling offers together. Now, a freebie has a very different function. If I sign up for a freebie, how to run a mastermind retreat, and I get a follow-up email, uh, whether I would like to join Mastermind Retreat Iceland, that is very related and exactly in alignment with what I was interested in. But again, this is a gray zone. There is a portion that says, no, you can't do it. And there are other people that say, yes, you can do it. And you as a business owner, unfortunately, because it's a gray zone, you have to make a decision whether you want to say this is bundled offer or not. And then you decide to have a checkbox or not. So if you are more the risk adverse, the warrior, then you definitely get people to sign up for a freebie and you ask for additional consent to send follow-up emails or add them to a newsletter. If you're willing to work with the gray zones, you say, this is not a bundled offer. This is actually exactly the same thing. If they're interested in A, they're very likely to be interested in B and C and so forth. But you could also decide to sell your freebie. So there's an option. I come to your website and either I can get the freebie for $9 or I can get it for free. And then I go to your newsletter list or what I just heard today as a suggestion from a client, I buy it for $0. You basically give me a voucher that I put in and then I'm buying it. And then we have a contract. So there are many ways around this. And as I said, we're touching up on the gray zones here but it will be very difficult for you to not touch the gray zones at all and still be in business. So we come back to you doing your risk assessment and deciding what is right for you and your business. At the end of the day, you wanna respect people's personal data as you want someone else to respect yours. Want to get the simplified checklist on how you can comply with DTPR and do your own risk assessment? Go to sig.com forward slash 178, where you'll also find links to the DTPR pack from Susan Dipple and links to the interviews 
with Martin Steiker and Susan Dippel that I've previously done on DTPR. Thank you for listening to The Sigrun Show. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please share, subscribe, and give the show a review on iTunes. See you in the next episode. Oh, 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 oh